Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today. It's going down right here. Well, Happy New Year it is. And welcome to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's FST Playoff Week. Good times, and I'm joined by my old friend. He's old in, in the sense that we've known each other a long time. I hope we call him old, but it's George Kurtz, everybody. Mike Blute and George Kurtz back together again. What's old is new again, George. Happy New Year, bud. Happy New Year, Mike. How you doing? I'm doing. I'm doing all right. Uh, I, I'm in that mode where the kids have been home from school for you know ten days. Finally, shipping them back off. And uh, you know, there's a there's a Christmas song where and mom where there's a line that says, "And mom can hardly wait for school to start again." And I think we're in that boat here in the Blue household where the kids are finally uh, getting back on to uh, uh, the kids are finally getting back on the bus heading to school. So uh, good times here. Uh, I hope you had a lovely holiday season and uh, rang in the new year in style. Uh, well, I don't know if I rang it in style. I didn't do anything uh, Monday night. Wife was working. I just hung out with the kids. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if I'd call it in style, but uh, the New Year's getting off to a, a fine start, Mike. A fine I did start. my best to watch the ball drop, and I was up, and it was like 11.45, and I was flipping back and forth between certain coverages, and somewhere between 11.50 and midnight, I fell asleep and woke up at 3.30 in the morning on the couch. So good times uh, for me. But... <laughs> you know, a lot of different ways to go with this stuff, George. Uh, these tend to be a little bit more straight football shows this time of the year, but obviously we can talk about the fantasy ramifications. Somehow, for what feels like the eighth year in a row, we have the Texans at 4.30 on a Saturday, so we're going to kick it off with Colts-Texans 4.30 Saturday. Yeah, uh, you know, this is a year, Mike. Usually the 4.30 game on Saturday and wild card weekend, that's been pretty terrible. Right, it's been, oh, not a game you were dying to see here. This year, I don't think it's anything, uh, anything like that. I think this looks good. You know, I'm looking forward to Texans Colts. I think it's gonna be a good game. You got the primetime game. Uh, obviously, I'm a Cowboy fan. I'll be looking forward to that uh, Saturday night. I think all the games are competitive. They should be good games. Uh, I don't disagree. So let me, um, as we can take this a bunch of different angles, and for those of you that listen on a regular basis, you know I'm a Steelers fan, and yes, we will talk about that drama in the next segment, but I figured we'd talk about some positivity first, uh, and we'll get into all the coaching changes and everything too. So let me take a step back and ask you, what is your number one storyline that you're looking at going in? Obviously, from a TV and story standpoint, people are going to be – pumping up the Foles thing a lot because they they got into the playoffs amazingly. They were dead in the water and the Eagles got in. People are going to be looking at um, you know, Phil Rivers. Can Lamar Jackson actually keep this going? There's a lot of different ways to go in both conferences. Can Drew Brees 
grab another title. So what what is the one storyline that you're into that you really want to see play out? Well, I think what you're looking at, uh, you want to go each game. Andrew Luck will be the first storyline against Houston. You know, okay. The magical season he's had, the comeback season, right? Uh, a superstar quarterback who really hadn't done anything in a couple of years, all of a sudden back to being a superstar quarterback this year. And can the Colts go on that deep playoff run uh, in the AFC? You go to the Cowboy game against Seattle on uh, Saturday night, I think it's all about Dak Prescott. You know, Is he ready to take that next step into – I don't want to say an upper echelon quarterback. I don't think he's ever going to be Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, anybody like that. But uh, to me, maybe being above average NFL quarterback uh, in that game. And then you go to uh, Probably more importantly, George, as you as a Cowboys fan, probably more importantly for Dak, can he finally, like, quiet the bluebirds that exist in the fan base and around the league? I, I think Dak has shown some brilliant flashes at times, but on the whole... There's, I think, a perception from certainly from me that he isn't always utilized to the best of his ability, and sometimes he's put in bad spots. But some people would blame it on Dak as opposed to the coaching staff. Would you agree with that? Well, you know, it's funny you should mention something like that, Mike, because over the past two weeks I've been thinking the same thing, that maybe it's not Jason Garrett and Scott Linehan that should be blamed right. for some of the Cowboys' problems. Maybe it's because they know what Dak's limitations are, and that's, that's it. possible. He's not – He's not very good at throwing the ball more than 15 yards down the field. You know, yep. Once you start throwing the ball into the secondary, I mean, you saw it in the Monday game, uh, Sunday game against the Giants. He had Amari Cooper wide open. And by wide open, I'm not talking wide open by NFL stands where he's open by two yards. I'm talking where he was open by 10. And yeah. Dak couldn't hit him either time. And we, this is yeah. not just a Sunday game. This is happening over and over and over again throughout the season. The only difference with Sunday is this is the first time this year that I can remember where it was with Amari Cooper. Generally, he's had a very difficult time connecting with Michael Gallup, who's run free in the secondary quite a few times this year. You know, and he's had, he has had a hard time hitting him. You could see it on Sunday. He was aiming the ball down the field. Yeah, where he yeah. Even, I mean, it's, in, it's in his head, too. Where he's, he's either hearing the criticism or he's hearing it from Garrett or whatever that he can't get the ball to these guys deep. By and the way, there's a former be- league MVP that has the same reputation in Cam Newton. Uh, I, I think we've seen that a lot from Cam. And nobody would... Nobody would say that Cam is limited, but that is a hole in his skill set. He's not accurate downfield. What it means is that defenses don't have to play uh, a cover two or a cover three because they're not worried about him going throwing deep. And against the Cowboys, that's problematic because they want to run the ball. But now that safety can creep closer to the line of scrimmage because he's not as worried about Dak hitting him over the top because even if the guy's open, <laughs> Dak is not even 50-50. He's less than that at hitting the guy. You know, and uh, like I said, he can't hit the wide-open guy by 10. How's he going to hit the guy that's open by a yard or two? He has to be perfect. He's just not – once again, it's, it's year three. He's not very good at it. And by not very good, yeah. I mean he's bad at it. Yeah. And it, it's a problem. So I think that's something you watch. Obviously, you're watching for Jason Garrett see what he can do. And as I just discussed with Scott, I wonder if Garrett goes back to being by-the-book Garrett now in the playoffs. You know, we just, uh, fourth and one punt, not, doesn't even, not even a thought process, no matter where he punt. You know, he just plays it by the book. I just can't be that way anymore. You can't be that way anymore. You know, you need to uh, open it up a little bit more, take some chances. And Garrett has done a better job of that over the years. But still, I think Garrett sometimes is worried about – he's an old-school coach. You know, he's been around the NFL for a long time. When he, he still coaches like it's 1990, not like it's 2018 here. We have to do things differently here. I'm of the belief, Mike – I've said this over and over again – from the 50 on in, I'm not punting if it's fourth and five or less. I'm just not doing it. 
And even yeah. from probably the, my own 40 on in, uh, if it's fourth and five or less, I'm lining up to go for it. I may still take the delay. If it's at the 45, I'll take the five-yard delay. But I want to try and drove a team offsides. Yes, it may not work 90% of the time. But you know what? That 10% it will work. And then if you, run, if you actually go for it a couple of times, right, you know, take more chances. Try and keep the ball here. But I, I don't think Garrett will do that here. So in the Sunday games, I think it's all about Lamar Jackson. Can uh, the Chargers, I think, I believe that they're the first team to play him twice. Can they figure out how to stop him or at least slow him down? You know, and, uh, you know the interesting I, thing, the interesting thing about that is as much as the Ravens, and I put it in air quotes, dominated the Chargers when they played a few weeks ago, Phil Rivers was driving the ball with a chance to win that game before Gates fumbled. So, yes, the Ravens did dominate them defensively, and they came up with a huge win on the road. But I came away thinking, having the same doubts I have about the Ravens then as I do now. Like, I don't know if this can win in the playoffs. <laughs> they play games, <laughs> excuse me, so tight. I just wonder if it's something that is feasible in the playoffs. We're going to go to a quick break right here. Come back. We'll keep walking through uh, the playoff games and the storylines of interest. It's Mike and George on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Are you, or someone you love, one of the nearly one million Americans living with Parkinson's disease? There is no known cure, but you have the power to help change that by participating in a clinical trial. The Michael J. Fox Foundation will help get you started. Visit michaeljfox.org forward slash participant pack to download the new Parkinson's trial participant pack. It's free and available right now. That's michaeljfox.org forward slash participant pack. Visit today. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. Hi, I'm Heath Urban. I believe every child is entitled to a complete and inspiring education. Music education programs in our schools help kids learn, socialize, gain confidence, and stay in school. But they need your help to survive. Mr. Holland's Opus Foundation gives school music programs the instruments they need to make this opportunity available to every student who wants to play. With your help, we can keep music alive in our schools and give all kids the education they deserve. Visit mhopus.org now to find out how you can help. We're back on FNTSY. Thanks for listening. Happy New Year to all of you out there this January 2nd, listening on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app on TuneIn Radio on iHeartRadio. Thanks for joining us to talk a little bit of football today. And if you're at the game or you just got a gut feeling, no problem. 
Now you can bet from anywhere, anytime with the all-new MyBookie mobile betting platform. With the MyBookie mobile platform, you'll enjoy the safety and convenience of at-home betting when you're on the go. So try it out today, and you'll never miss another winning bet. Head out over to MyBookie.ag and open an account with the promo code FNTSY, and MyBookie will match your deposit up to $1,000. That's right, 1000 bucks. So that's MyBookie.ag, promo code FNTSY. So, George, back to the games uh, Chargers Ravens, we left it there. I was saying that. I just wonder. You're saying second time they're playing them. I'm wondering if it's sustainable. The defense has been on fire, creating a lot of turnovers. Even though Baker, I mean, Baker gave him a scare. Like they, he threw three picks and he still gave him a scare. Yeah, Baker is a uh, he's an intriguing, very, very intriguing athlete. As I. I think uh, the Chargers are going to have to line up uh, pretty much playing zero coverage, you know, force him to throw the ball or, or try to get him to throw the ball as much as possible. If he can beat you with his arm, so be it. I mean, so be it. Uh, get, <laughs> you want that ball out of his hands. Uh, he is an incredibly athlete the way he runs the ball there. And I just want to sec- see him the second time. I, said, I don't think any other team has seen him the second time yet, if that helps. Uh, my problem is this. I mean, come on, Mike, you and I have seen this over and over again. West Coast team traveling to the East Coast, you know, to play that playoff game in what's likely to be brutally cold weather. Generally not a good thing. Chargers are a beat-up team. You know, Gordon is still banged up. Allen's still banged up. They are likely to get Hunter Henry back. Go figure. So maybe that's a boost they need here. I had no expectation to see him again. And you brought up a great point, though. As bad as they probably played in that first game versus the Ravens, I mean... I don't know if I want to call to say they were driving. I mean, I think they fumbled the ball around their own 40 uh, when Gates fumbled. So they, but they had a chance. The problem is they had a chance to win that game. And you know, they ended up where it didn't go their way. Gates fumbled game over here. So I guess that bodes well for them. But uh, I'm going to have a hard time seeing them win this game against what is likely the best defense in the NFL or at least the best in the AFC. Yeah, I mean, they actually got a few sacks on um, Lamar last time out. It was two, three sacks. Phil Rivers took, uh, let's see, two. Yeah, he took four sacks. So we'll see. You know, if they can dial it up a little bit on Lamar, make him uncomfortable, it could be interesting. But you're right. Like the one, the 10 a.m. local start for the Chargers was not ideal. They really needed – I felt like they needed something to happen to get them a home playoff game, whether the Chiefs faltered or, or they didn't falter. The Chiefs did falter technically. Um, and the Chargers didn't really take advantage of it. So, uh, nonetheless, uh, we had that game. Eagles-Bears, obviously the Foles thing is going to be front and center. <sighs> People are trying to, hoping or wondering if the Eagles are recapturing this magic. The reality is that they have to go up against what I actually think is an even better defense, a scarier defense, because they turn the ball over so much. They have an absolute wrecking ball coming at you on every play in Khalil Mack. And I just wonder if Eagles can sustain that. They have played very inconsistently, even though they've been good for the last three weeks. And on the flip side, can Trubisky just hold up under this type of pressure? I mean, Nick Foles is a hell of a story, right? Uh, He led the Eagles to the Super Bowl last year, and now he's led them to an improbable playoff run this season. Granted, it helped out if a couple of teams choked down the stretch, but still, he got them there. Uh, and this is, a, this is a winnable game. I mean, it really is. I don't think Chicago's all that great a team. I think they're similar to the Ravens in that great defense. 
offense and it has some some question marks there. You know, I've uh, I've proposed this question to a couple of people now. Uh, Scott Engel being one of them. I think Jim Day was the other. Maybe Dan Stratford on the shows that I do. If the Jaguars come cool after the season, let's say just for giggles uh, that Nick Foles leads the Bears to have a championship game. You know, so they win this week and they beat the Rams next week and they, they lose to the Saints. You know, we'll, say, we'll say they lose to the Saints in New Orleans. Jaguars come calling in the offseason. We'll give you two seconds and either Jalen Ramsey or Leonard Fournette, your choice, oh. for Carson Wentz. Oh, the other he, way. You went the other way. Yeah, yeah, not not Foles. It had to be Wentz. You know, and then the Eagles would re-sign Foles. He'd be their starting quarterback. Would you do it if you were the Eagles? Um, Fans would be clamoring for Foles to start again. There's actually legit, would, would there's a, the last year the quarterback controversy, as crazy as what happened, it wasn't a legit quarterback controversy. Now, people have the right to be like, well, this guy may never be healthy. He may just be hurt all the time. He's got an ACL. Now he's got another problem. Is it going to be another one in, in a year? Like, it's what the Titans fans are probably starting to scratch their heads about with Mariota. Like, yeah, he may be talented and everything, but is he ever going to be out there for 16 games? And how do you build around a guy like that? Um, I don't think the Eagles would do it. They invested way too much into him. I understand you're getting a bunch back, but I think they're committed to Wentz. Um, I don't think they would do it, although what you proposed is pretty interesting. I agree with you. I don't think they would do it either. But like I said, it is, it's a good talking point if the Jaguars would come calling because, I mean, you talk about a quarterback in Foles who's got, who won you a Super Bowl and almost got you to another one, and now you're getting two seconds, which you can obviously get some talented players around. Plus, you're getting a, either your running back you need or a top quarterback. You know, as I, I believe Ramsey and Fournette both may be on the outs in uh, Jacksonville there. That should be an interesting offseason for the Jags. But uh, it, as I said, it's a good talking point there. But in the end, for the, what you mentioned, or everything they put into Wentz, you know, I think it's Wentz stays, Foles will move on to a new team, probably be a, start, a starting quarterback someplace else. But uh, as I said, it's, 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 it's just a good talk, but it's fun to think about. But I agree with you. It's not going to happen. Uh, cool. So, um, all right. So we got those. Um, we got those uh, out of the way. I, we can talk spreads and, and over-unders and all that kind of stuff, but Jordan and I are going to be here for the next couple of days, so uh, we can get into that as the as we get a little bit closer and the spreads settle in and the money starts moving around. So um, how about my Pittsburgh Steelers, buddy? Well, first of all, congratulations that your Cowboys made it. Uh, at 3-5, and five, you couldn't have convinced me that they were going to go on this kind of run and, and get to the playoffs, uh, even in a division that was falling apart all around them. They got to 10 wins, so at, at, when you're 3-5 and five and you, you rip off 7 of 8, I'm going to give you a lot of credit, even if that one game was an odd shutout in the middle of all of it. Yeah, I guess they took the, uh, the week 15 off rather than week uh, 17. That's the way I'll chalk that one up, too. Uh, Cowboys are an intriguing team. I mean, uh, it, they're just strange. Uh, I wouldn't have minded them not making the playoffs if it would have gotten rid of Garrett. I'm, I'm, you know me. I'm not a Garrett guy at all. Yeah, Most right. people aren't. Right. And uh, I don't want to lose Chris Richard. The uh, I, I don't know what his exact title. He's not the defensive passing coordinator. Passing game but, uh, coordinator, run game coordinator. He's, he, passing in line, and I think he's linebacker game coordinator as well. He's passing yeah. game and linebacker coach. Something silly like that. Whatever. Yeah. I don't want to lose him. And I think he's going to get a lot of uh, a lot of interviews. I believe the Dolphins have already interviewed him. I think yeah. he could be a good young up and coming head coach. I think he's helped that defense out a lot. So, uh, which Garrett, like I said, he just makes the same mistakes over and over again. And uh, it's tough to rely on him in crunch time, what, what he's going to do here. That being said, one thing I like about the NFC, 
<clears throat> there is no team here that I think can't go on and do some damage. I think it'll be harder, obviously, for any of the wild card teams. You know, to go say you're going to beat the Rams and the Saints. That's Don't you think the AFC is more wide open though, George? Yes, because uh, I don't know who's going to who's going there. I kind of I kind of like the Colts the way they're the way they're playing. I like the Ravens too. You know, like uh, in some ways I like those two teams more than I, I certainly like them more than I like the Patriots. I think the Patriots once again are doing it with mirrors. They got yeah, really but, everything. But their way here they are, dude. All, all they get all they get is a home game, and then they might have to play the Chiefs. And I got to be honest, like. As impressive and flashy as the Chiefs are, I've been saying this for a couple of weeks, I don't see them getting to the Super Bowl because they can't stop the run. And lo and behold, the Patriots are dealing with all this stuff, and Gordon's gone, and Gronk's a shell of himself, and Brady uh, maybe hasn't played uh, vintage Brady football. And then so then what happens? They go out and they run the ball 237 yards on the Bills. And I think they're building this team conceivably to beat the Chiefs that way. It makes sense. You know, and Belichick has performed magic before, but you said this this team is just not. My God, they're not the team we're used to when it comes to the Patriots. You I know. know Brady has looked mortal. The defense was Gronk terrible last year, and they still came within a drive of winning the Super Bowl. Defense was terrible last year, and they well, still the NFL calls were right those, there. If the NFL called the rules of the Super Bowl like they did during the regular season, they might have won the Super Bowl. No kidding. All right, uh, lovely uh, NFL pulling some NHL stuff in the Super Bowl. Uh, I mean, Gronk is done. It's it's you can see you know see that, and uh, you know Belichick knew that was coming because he tried to trade him. Yeah, Belichick could see that coming here. He lost Josh Gordon, so the offense has changed, and it's amazing what Belichick has done. Okay, no Gordon, we're gonna run the ball now. Now we're just gonna run the ball. Yeah, and it's a formula that can work, but I don't know if their defense can hold up either. Yeah, I don't think their defense is all that good. That would be that would be the issue, same as last year. Like if if they. If Mahomes was in a groove in a game, like he, he could put up 40 on them, and that would be problematic, just like Foles and, and company did last year. So I, I just don't like the fact that the Chiefs can't stop the run. And if they get down, even if they're at home, and if they get down and the Patriots or, or the Ravens could run down the clock on them, or the Chargers can even run the ball effectively when Gordon's healthy, um, you know, I could see a bunch of teams running running over them. Um, to get a win. So, um, but at least they have home field advantage. So let's talk about my, I mean, we got the next couple of days to keep doing all this stuff on, on the games that are afoot, but let's talk about my Steelers for a few minutes. We're going to go to break in about six minutes, and then we'll spend some time on the coaching changes because there's a lot to go through there, which George already started mentioning with uh, interviews with Chris Richard. Um, I don't think AB is going anywhere. Uh, I did sense that was something was wrong here, and credit to Marshall Falk, my co-host on Sundays, who said weeks ago that something is wrong between Ben and A.B. I, I think he's not the only one that had that observation, but he called it out like a little bit in advance, like something is just not right here. And Ben feels comfortable going on his radio show and taking shots at people, but not everybody's comfortable with that. And I don't know that A.B. is the type of guy that's comfortable with that. He's shown poor judgment on his own right, whether it's Facebook living, private team conversations, or throwing stuff on the sidelines, getting into it with people. He, he, he can't be at a point now, George, where he excuses his behavior. He's done diva-like behavior, and this is, this is an all-timer. If he did not play in what is effectively a playoff game because he was in a bad mood – then that's that's an all timer. Like you can't come back from that reputation wise. As great as he is, 
Well, Mike Tomlin has his season-ending press conference today. Yeah. And boy, should that be interesting. Yeah, but he never says what anything. he has to say. He's going to have to. And you got to really know to the media's going to be all over him wanting to know what, what happened here. And this is not the first time AB's done some stupid crap, too. I mean, he's yeah. the guy who filmed the, uh, you know, when Tomlin's postgame speech is in the locker yeah. room. We put it on Facebook Live. He's like, what the hell are you doing? Uh, you, know, you and I texted last night, and uh, I told you, uh, Ryan Clark, ex Steeler Safety, works now as an analyst for ESPN, uh, mainly on NFL Live and some sports centers. But Ryan Clark, and this is something you never see a former athlete, former teammate say. They, usually it's worthless because they all have nothing but, you know, oh, he's great, great teammate. He eviscerated Antonio Brown. I mean, eviscerated. He told what a couple of stories. He told a couple of stories that uh, the day Mike Wallace got released, uh, that, you know, he, he told somebody. Uh, he was on the team. That, Ryan yeah, Clark he, was on Ryan the team. Clark was there. He was on, on the team, and he said, watch this guy blow up. As far, not in a good way. You know, he's going to be a diva. Yeah, because he knows now the team's all about him, that they need him. It's all about him. He's their offensive guy. And uh, he talked about how he almost got into a fight with Antonio Brown because Antonio Brown in practice would be like, uh, remember, Clark's a defense guy. Antonio Brown's an offense. You can't touch me. Don't touch me. I'm the team. You know, she's being that kind of attitude here. Uh, He said that all uh, that Antonio Brown uh, cared about was three things, targets, catches, receptions, and touchdowns. That's it. Didn't care about winning and losing. That's not important to him. Yeah, you know I mean, like I said, he eviscerated him. Uh, you never see this. Uh, and I said, I'm not a big. A uh, I think Ryan Clark's. A, yeah, I think Ryan Clark's a solid analyst, but I've never been someone who like, oh, you know, it's like Lewis Riddick. But you know, Lewis Riddick's very good at what he does. Clark's solid guy, but hearing him say this also made me like him more because now I'm like, oh, not afraid to voice his opinion. Yeah, you know, so a lot most analysts are. You know, where they're trying to make friends. I've seen him drop dimes on Groot, people before. I'd have to go back and Not watch like the this. AB thing. Yeah, I'll, I'll watch the AB thing so you and I can maybe touch base on it again tomorrow. But he, uh, yeah, look, that's a former teammate. And if he if he's saying that he saw signs of this before, that stuff even happened, I mean, it, I'm not going to get it. We don't have to get into Antonio Brown's background, but he had a, sort of a troubled uh, teenage life. And navigating through the college recruiting scene was difficult for him. And the fact that he's made it to where he's made it is a testament to how hard he really worked through all of that stuff. But the reality is he gets paid, you know, like I said to you last night, and I'm not normally the guy, I'm not I'm not a curmudgeon about this kind of stuff, but look, the checks are cashing pretty easy for you to be walking away in the middle of a playoff game. He, he has been paid what he's been owed, like, the Steelers stepped up and paid him for a franchise that actually doesn't do that for many people. They did it for Ben, which everybody does it for a quarterback. They didn't do it for Le'Veon Bell. They've done it for a couple of other guys that are currently on the team. But historically, the Steelers generally do let people walk away. And they put down the money for A.B. He's performed admirably. In fact, he had a chance if he played the other day. And frankly, I don't know what the injury situation is, if it's real or if it's imagined and he just was in a bad mood. He did leave the game at halftime, which is effectively a playoff game for his team, which is unprofessional, to say the least. But at the same time, um, he had an opportunity, George, to be the first guy ever with, I think it was five seasons of 
100 receptions and 1,300 yards, something like that. He, he and Marvin Harrison both done it four times. He could have done it a fifth time, uh, and he chose not to play. We'll find out. As you said, Tomlin does have to give us some information regarding an injury to see if it was real or not. I, you almost got to feel bad for Tomlin. Dealt with Le'Veon Bell all season long. Now he's dealing with Antonio Brown, and Roethlisberger's no prize either. No. So, so someone, there's more drama going on in Pittsburgh than most TV shows nowadays. It's crazy. So we're we come back. We're going to do the coaching carousel with George and myself on Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's FSD. We'll be right back. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Were you scammed into signing a timeshare contract? And did you miss the part that said you have to pay for your great idea? Not only for the rest of your life, but when you're not here anymore, you get to pass this turkey onto your family for them to pay for the rest of their lives. Thanks, Dad. Don't burden your family down the road, and don't be stuck with expensive timeshare payments forever. Get out of your bad idea, timeshare contract guaranteed, or pay nothing. Call Resort Release today and learn for free how their timeshare Exit team can help you legally exit your timeshare contract. They've helped thousands of people and they're A plus rated with a BBB. So if you feel scammed, get mad and get out of your expensive timeshare contract right now, guaranteed. Call NOW 800 804 7060. 800 804 7060. 800 804 7060. That's 800 804 7060. The morning after. I think Philadelphia, if they get in, they can get all the way to the NFC Championship game. The Philadelphia will not go back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, but I don't. But have, I don't Philadelphia's going to lose to Washington so you're, this you're, weekend. You're contradicting yourself here, then, essentially. Gabe, yeah, it's different when you get to January. You don't understand my NFL mind. I don't, I don't think we understand, understand your, your mind NFL at all. mind. Yeah, <laughs> your, your NBA mind. Your any kind of mind. Your professional mind. Your personal mind. Your mind's twisted, Corey. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. Welcome back, FST. The DailyRoto.com partnership with Data Golf is back for 2019 with all new premium fantasy golf and betting tools. Check out the all new lineup optimizer with custom settings and advanced grouping, customizable projections for FanDuel and DraftKings, ownership projections, PGA finish probabilities and simulator, outright and top 20 market betting tools, head to head and three ball betting tools and PGA Pro Tip, subscriber chat, and more. So go to DailyRoto.com, click on Go Premium, and choose Golf. Then enter the promo code FNTSY for a 10% discount. That's DailyRoto.com, click on Go Premium, click on Golf, and enter promo code FNTSY for a 10% discount. George, you are a guy that likes to golf. Do you also watch golf? No. No, and Chris Mitchell always gets on my case for that. Uh, I, I, like I love the other golf. Way. I don't really play golf, but I watch. It's weird. I, 
I can now watch it. I, I've been to, you know, I live on Long Island, so do you. I've been to the U.S. Open a couple of times when it's been here. Are you going to go so to Beth Page in uh, the spring? Uh, that, that's the last time I was there, uh, when it was at Beth Page. Uh, you know, it's funny, when I, when I was there. You're doing the PGA at Beth Page this year, so I was, uh, if, if you're in, I, I would go with you. Maybe we spend the day, have a, uh, you know, have a day, a little FNTS fly on the course. It had poured, I think, that week, and all I remember was ruining my shoes. Everything was muddy. Yeah, yeah. They take care of the course, but not where the fans. Everything was it was it was like, ugh. Yeah. But it was it was a, it was a good time. But I, I am a I enjoyed while playing it, watching it not so much. Even the finals, I won't watch that Sunday. So uh, it's uh, I I enjoy participating. I want to the only way to do those oh, yeah. tournaments is to go on the the practice round on Wednesday or do Thursday Friday. Going on the weekend, yes. it's a madhouse. I did Shinnecock for the U.S. Open last summer. It rained a little bit that Friday, but the Friday crowd was okay. Uh, Saturday and Sunday, when I looked at it on TV, I was like, ugh, thank God I didn't go. It's just brutal to the amount of people that can get to courses here. We're in a very heavily, densely populated area. Being like Times so Square on New Year's Eve, man. You can't move. Yeah, yeah. Kind of tough. And those people got soaked uh, speaking up. So, uh, all right. So. You know, we talked a little bit about the Steelers thing. I said to George during the break, if if Tomlin threw up his hands at the press conference today and said, I'm out, I don't think anybody would blame him. He won't do it. But uh, nonetheless, uh, he's dealing with a lot. He's got a lot on his plate with the A-B thing. Um, the Le'Veon Bell thing, I, you know, I, I, that decision's already been made, even though people seem to keep bringing up the possibility that he could be back. The Steelers have moved on. I think he's moved on as well. So, all right. There's no uh, way Bell's back. No, 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 no. I, I'm with you. But I, 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 I keep reading it. They're like, well, technically, he, they can transition tag him. I'm like, all right. They'll tag him in order to get some trade value out of him. But he's not going to be back on the team. So, um, all right. So, l- let me ask you the first question of all these uh, changes. Which one surprised you the most? Which one surprised me the most? Well, certainly not Green Bay or the Jets. We know that was coming. Uh, Cincinnati, I can't say that's a surprise. It should have happened long ago. Uh, surprise that Doug Marone still uh, in Jacksonville with what happened there. I'll tell you that. I okay. thought he would go. Not that I, I think he, once again, I'm not big on firing a coach at the one season, so that's where I'm going to go, by the way. Because I think that's kind of silly. At the one year, you expected magic and what a Super Bowl run? So, uh, or it's the one bad year. Like Marone had one good year, right? Got the Jaguars to the championship game. And then you think about firing him. But I'll go Wilkes in Arizona. Yes, the team sucks. All right? But what were you expecting? Bill Belichick couldn't have gone in there and made that, gotten that team to the playoffs. Maybe so, it's a couple of extra wins, but not the playoffs. I, I totally agree in that it's ridiculous to give a coach one year and then get rid of him. I will say, however, though, and I think you and I talked about this all during the offseason, I didn't like the fit for Steve Wilkes in Arizona. A younger defensive coordinator going in to work with Josh Rosen was not the plan of attack for me. Uh, I think the GM could get a lot of grief. He should, Steve Keim, but he's obviously safe. He's tight with the Bidwell, so he's going to be there for a while. But statistically, they couldn't have been worse offensively. Last in first downs, points, yards, passing yards, rushing yards, yards per attempt, uh, net yards per passing attempt. Uh, average drive time, last in the league, worst yards per drive, worst points per drive, worst scoring percentage per drive. It was a dismal, dismal offense, not to mention that they were dead last in defensive rushing categories, which means teams were just pounding it down their throat, keeping them off the field, and then when they got on the field, 
they were limited completely offensively. Rosen didn't really show any development. So you put that all together, they realized that they had probably made a mistake. It's their own fault. When that coaching carousel was going around last year, George, Steve Wilkes' name kept coming up, and then all the other jobs got scooped up, and then it was as if Arizona was like, well, we want one of the guys that's being talked about a lot. Let's go with Wilkes. When that wasn't really the call. They were going to bring in a young quarterback and play him, and that's what happened. So I understand it that it's ridiculous, but I didn't like the fit in the first place. In my mind, all right, if I'm the owner and my GM comes to me and goes, hey, listen, I want to fire this coach. I know we just hired him a year ago, but I want him to fire him. I'm the owner. I'm like, well, then I'm firing you. Because yeah. guess what? You made it. If you're firing a head coach at the one season, I don't care if you went 0 16, unless he did something egregious. You know, he's sleeping with somebody's wife or something stupid like that. Yeah, you know, course. but I'm talking just does stuff on the field, then you're not very good. At, then the GM, you're not very good at your job. I mean, hiring a head coach is supposed to be one of the things you, I guess, spend the most time going over and making sure you got the right guy. I get the the only thing that could be more important would be the number one overall pick, coach and quarterback. Yeah, as far as your quarterback of the that's future, your ba- that's right? Your two I mean, main tasks. So I just think that once again, I think uh, if you if you're firing one, I'm firing both. Because so maybe, maybe the owners maybe the owners had a little bit more say in that hire, which is why he survives. Could be. Actually, we don't know the, the complete dynamics of it. Could, you're very right. It could be. Could very well be that. But right. if I'm a GM, you know, this is why I don't hire. I don't. I, if I own a team or a GM, I don't fire coaches early on in the season as well. If I'm going to fire somebody after one season, then I should have never hired him. If I'm going to fire a coach if he starts 0 4, then I should have fired him in the off season because I didn't yeah. like him anyway. You know, just that's the way it just comes around to me. I'm, I'm talking without any weird extenuating circumstances, just regular stuff could, here. Browns could have been in the playoffs if they had made a change. Yes. And, I, I, you know, Mike, I'm laughing, laughing uh, when I hear Marvin Lewis at his press conference when he's pretty much shilling for uh, Hugh to get the job there. And he's like, well, he had some bad circumstances in, uh, you know, in the other place. Da, 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 da. Really? He went 1-30 and 30 whatever. You know, and uh, Greg Williams came in. I, I hate Greg Williams. I think he's a complete jerk. But he had no problems there. He got them to a winning record. It seems to me if you were to hire <coughs> – lo- if Cincinnati hires Hugh Jackson, I don't think they are. I think they're going to hire Vance Joseph. But how do you sell Hugh Jackson to your fan base that he's the coach? At the, what just happened in Cleveland where literally Joseph's when he goes 3-35? and 35, I just, Vance Joseph isn't an easy sell either. What do you matter? No, he's the, not. The names I wouldn't hire either one around. of them. Yeah, I'm just talking. If you if you ask me my guess, I think that's where they go, and I think they go in Vance Joseph. But right, I wouldn't I hire either one of them. Yeah. So, all right, here, here, I'll go a different direction as to. So, I'm not surprised that Stephen Ross made the move to get rid of Adam Gase. However, I do think that there's. I do think Adam Gase may actually be a talented head coach. He's certainly talented offensively, and he was caught in the middle of what was a huge roster churn for them. So he made the playoffs in his first year, but he realized he didn't like the personnel on his team. So he's churning over the roster. Then his quarterback gets hurt. So he's going out there with Jay Cutler and Matt Moore and that you know, poo-poo platter of quarterbacks last year. Then Tannehill comes back this year. He gets hurt again. He's got Osweiler. Uh, you know, I, I'm not suggesting that he did a great job in Miami, and I think they went like 11 and 19 in the last two seasons after making the playoffs. But I think Arizona could actually be an interesting landing spot for Adam Gase. Match him with the young QB, build it from there. Then it's sink or swim. 
then I'll you'll know if I'm right or not about Adam Gase with a team that's really effectively rebuilding from the ground up. Uh, but he can build it in his image along with Steve Kime, and it would make more sense. I do think that Stephen Ross, by doing this, he he has big plans. He's either going to go after John Harbaugh or he is going to take a shot which it's difficult for him. For those that don't know, Stephen Ross is a massive University of Michigan donor. He's donated nine figures there. There's buildings named after him, uh, schools named after him. Uh, so a massive Michigan donor. It might be a difficult dynamic for him to pull the coach away from Michigan to, to, to his own professional football team. But if Jim raised his hand and said, I want out of college, I'd like to go pro, I'd imagine the first phone call he makes is to Stephen Ross. I don't think uh, Harbaugh's leaving uh, college, so I don't, I don't think we have to worry about that. Uh, I agree with you, though. Uh, but, man, you go to Miami, and I agree with you about Gase. I think he gets uh, another chance, maybe not this year, but eventually. And teams like Cleveland, the Jets, Arizona, they do make sense to get a quarterback, maybe even Tampa Bay, to get a quarterback guru coach in there. Right? Bring you got young quarterbacks. One of those teams has got to get that guy. I, I would do it. And I, I, I'm, not, I'm not really stumping for Adam Gase it, just because you and I and nobody else ever knows if these coaching hires are going to work out. But if you're going to bring in a guy to do that, he's the type of person. And one of those three teams should have him. I would kind of agree. He won't go to the Jets. I don't think the Jets are hiring uh, the Miami head coach. Once again, Probably can't not. sell that. You know, so it really comes to I don't, I don't think Cleveland's going to go in that direction either. So Arizona would make the most sense. Uh, I don't know if Tampa Bay. I don't live in Florida. I don't know how much the dynamics would play of hiring the Miami head coach who bombed. That would be there. And I don't think it's fair to judge uh, Gase on Miami for the reasons you mentioned. I mean, forget the quarterback situation. The wide receivers didn't work out there. You traded Landry away. I don't know if Gase had a say in that. Or if that was more management not wanting to pay Landry, whatever it might be. I do wonder where Gase's thoughts were on the running back situation there. I mean, starting Gore over Drake over and over and over again this season. I don't know. That that seemed to be strange. That seemed to be playing more towards your record than what would improve your team. Because for some reason you were 6-6 six and six at some point. You may have been the worst 6-6 six and six team ever. But, you know, then you, when you were 7-7, seven seven, so you technically had a chance at the playoffs. So you kept playing Gore, who... Yeah, you know, once again, a Hall of Fame running back. At this point in his career, you were probably better off going with Drake to see what he could do for you uh, this season. So I thought that was uh, interesting. But bottom line is this: he didn't have a lot of weapons there, if any. No. Sure, I mean, ten and six, there. he made the playoffs. Six and ten when Tannehill got hurt. Seven and nine this year. I don't know. I I would have given him more time, which makes me think he's got. Stephen Ross has big plans. He just must. Well, a lot of people think that they're uh, that these are Bill Parcells' uh, handprints. <laughs> What's going on in Miami still? Parcells was there for a short time, but he was there, and then maybe Ross is still seeking input from Parcells, and that uh, you know maybe he'll have a say in the next thing. right, and he'll have a say in the next coaching hire. So, which very well could be, but I think Miami. You mentioned Ross has the money. I think he does want to make a splash. Yeah, I think he. Obviously, he'd like to bring back the Dolphins to the uh, you know what they used to be as far as one of the better organizations in the NFL. Have been uh, that way in a long time. He invested but he'd like a lot to do in the stadium. Like he's, he, I I don't think he has any idea what he's doing when it comes to running the football team, but Me he either. is trying to build the business back to the right way. You know, he's they did make massive improvements to the stadium, and he has spent money. Like he's gone out and gotten Indama Kung Su and other guys. It just 
you know, they need somebody to do this the right way. Uh, to your point, here's some of the guys rumored there. John Harbaugh, this is according to Pro Football Talk, Mike Florio. Um, John, Hob- John Harbaugh, rep- they'll also reportedly interview Bears defensive coordinator Vic Fangio, Steelers offensive line coach Mike Munchak, Cowboys defensive backs coach Chris Richard, Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, and Dolphins special teams coach slash assistant head coach Darren Ritzy. So the problem, George, as always, with the Dolphins is what do you do with Ryan Tannehill? I think, I think the decision now can be made more easily. Um, but you and I talked about a lot how they were in no man's land with this. That injury actually pushed them back a year because they were still trying to evaluate Tannehill. Now, if for no other reason, the guy can't stay healthy. So you have to move on, right? Uh, you, you, you've done enough shows with me where, even if you don't remember, I, I'm not a Tannehill guy at all. I That's think they right. should have moved on years ago. Yeah. You know, I know at one point it was financially, you know, you couldn't do it. The cap hit would have been too great. But in the last couple of years, it's been doable. They keep giving him chances after chances. after. Ch- it's not working out, boys and girls. It's time to move on here. In the NFL, you know, unless you have a great defense, you can't have an average quarterback. You need an above average one to great one to really compete in the NFL year in and year out. And listen, if you're the Miami Dolphins, you have to realize, you know, the next couple of years could be better for you. Tom Brady, is he's obviously on the downhill anyway. But he's not playing forever. He'll be gone in a couple of years. You know, Jets have Donald, Buffalo, they're up and down, and they have Josh Allen, who looks good. You're still behind the eight ball here, but it's not going to be terrible because the Patriots won't be that team that's going to win the division for 20 more years. So you need to build up now. You need to find that quarterback of the future. And the NFL, that's all that matters, finding that quarterback of the future. And you know, they don't have it. It's not there right now. And well, fortunately, with their 7-9 record, I don't know if they're going to be able to find it in the draft this year either. But they better do something here. Uh, you can't keep going with Tannehill. Osweiler, obviously, is not the answer. They There's have no to make an Eagles-like move to, just to trade up if, if they like one of the guys more than the other. Dwayne Haskins from Ohio State, uh, who played obviously really well yesterday, is now rumored to be uh, – and he's entering the draft, so he's going to be in the mix for – top QB. Justin Herbert, the quarterback from Oregon, is going back to school, so it's Haskins, it's Will Greer, it's a couple of other, it's Daniel Jones from Duke, it's a few other guys that you'll hear, but um, people are less impressed with this QB class than they were this past one that came in, and obviously I think we can say a year in, like, you know, this quarterback class did okay in in year one. Josh Allen showed you some things, Baker showed you a lot, Uh, Sam Darnold showed you some things as well. And speaking, I'll make that transition over to the Jets. Since they fired Coach Todd Bowles, I think, George, being here in New York, we could, we got a sense of at least a month ago that it wasn't going to last past this season, despite the extension that he received in the offseason. Mike McCagnan had publicly started distancing himself from Todd Bowles, and they were previously thought to be joined at the hip. McCagnan stays, Bowles is out. And now they need to find somebody to work with Darnold. They do. And uh, once again, today's NFL, you you get a quarterback, you your franchise guy, you drafted him early, Jets drafted him, what, two, uh, was it three, four, whatever three. they drafted him. Three. It was three. Uh, you, need, you need to get someone to bring him along. Now, Darnold was up and down this year, showed some great signs, showed some not good signs here. But Bowles is a defensive head coach. You know, if you have a defensive head coach, you better have one hell of a quarterback guru on that roster. You know, to to help them out. They really didn't have that. So I think I don't think there's any doubt in my mind. The next head coach for the Jets will be an offensive guy. 
Yeah. You know, probably a quarterback guy, quarterback whisperer. Maybe it's the, uh, I forget the guy's the quarterback coach from uh, the Rams. Uh, maybe he's going there. Maybe he's not. But I think I would be floored, Mike, if when, when the Jets hire their head coach, he's not an offensive yeah. You know, I think it'll be someone who can bring uh, who can bring Donald along. And once again, you can make the same argument in Cleveland for make Baker Mayfield, same argument in Arizona for Josh Rosen. And even in Tampa Bay, I wonder if the next guy, same thing, even though Cutter technically is an offensive guy, but the same thing. They, kept, they got rid of Levy and kept Cutter because they thought he was going to be the guru with Jameis. And that was a mistake. Huge mistake. I, I, whether or not Lovey was the right guy. Cutter certainly was not. I mean, I think we all saw that. I had the Bucks under a hard under six and a half, and it came in. Uh, the Jets reportedly, according to Mike Florio, will interview Chris Richard. He, his official title, George, by the way, D backs coach slash passing game coordinator. Uh, Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy also on that list. Bucks offensive coordinator Todd Munkin and USC offensive coordinator Cliff Kingsbury. Iowa State coach Matt Campbell declined a chance to interview. To George's point, those were all really uh, offensive-minded uh, guys, other than Richard. Um, you also mentioned the Bengals have requested interviews with Rams quarterbacks coach Zach Taylor and Rams passing game coordinator Shane Waldron. So those are two more guys whose names you'll hear. People trying to capture the magic. Do you think Josh McDaniels will get a head job somewhere this year? Does he want one? It's a great question. If he wants one, <laughs> he can get it, right? Yes. There's too many. I mean, I think there's some teams or some owners he turned off by the shenanigans he pulled with uh, Indianapolis, and they won't even He's interview him. under the but, Bengals. Yeah, there's too many openings. He'll get one. My question is, does he want one? Now, uh, my guess is he has been. he has been told. You will replace Bill Belichick if and when he leaves. But does McDaniels want, want to wait five more years, ten more years? Has Bill told, eh, I'm leaving in at the end of 2020. I'll coach two more years. We don't know that. You know, and let's face it, Green Bay comes calling. Can McDaniels turn that down? Can you turn down the Green Bay Packers? You know, historic franchise, Aaron Rodgers. You know, maybe he likes us, <laughs> as much as we laugh about it, but maybe he likes us going on with Cleveland. You know, Baker Mayfield, he looks like he's going to be a stud and the team they have. I think he could turn that one down, sure. And but Bill I wonder if he there. could turn down Green Bay. Bill can give him an insight as to uh, Bill's tenure in Cleveland was really different because the team ended up getting moved. But, um, yeah, I mean, the Browns, the Packers, the Cardinals, those are all landing spots for Josh McDaniels. I mean, Ali is going to the Cardinals. Can't see that. Yeah. I can't see him leaving for a team that's going to take a couple of years minimum to turn around. Yeah. I can I say I can only see him leaving for a team that he believes he's either on the cusp or it's the team. Yeah, you know I, I don't I don't think, I don't think he's going to the Jets. That'd be funny though. <laughs> Where, you know once again another Bill Belichick former team as short lived as it was. But Green Bay, if they came calling, and I said I've heard nothing about this. I'm just going you know spitballing here. I do wonder if he could turn them down. Yeah. The only other eyebrow-raising thing, I guess, from this coaching carousel is Sarkeesian getting fired in Atlanta. They obviously wanted to make some wholesale changes. They got rid of both coordinators, but the Atlanta offense wasn't the problem this year. They did not run the it's ball well. thousand points. Yeah, I know. They, they did not run the ball well, so I would imagine that's what they would hang their hat on as far as the decision be, being made. But that team fell apart because of injuries on the defensive side of the ball, period. Uh, George and I will be back tomorrow at FST. Thanks for listening. Happy New Year. I'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks.